Amen and good morning to everyone. So glad to see all of you here this morning. We are uh, going to begin a new series of talks today. They're going to kind of take us through the spring. Figured kind of before the new pastor came and joined us that it might be a good idea just to think about our foundations uh, at our church. We, uh, and one of the things, I've been a part of a church this last few years that has gone through a major split and uh, watching that happen, it made me so very thankful to be a part of this church. Uh, many of you that are here that maybe weren't here when Crossroad uh, was launched back in 2002, uh, we became uh, a group of people that were very oriented towards people coming to know Jesus Christ. That was our emphasis. We wanted to reach the unbeliever for Christ and, and then through the teaching of God's scriptures for those that knew him uh, to learn how to live a life that was worthy of the calling that they had received. And so uh, we have come from a tremendous number of backgrounds at this church. Uh, we have people here from every different, probably, faith denomination out there as it goes. Methodist, Lutheran, you name it, all the way across the board, Baptist, Charismatic. Uh, and one of the things that we've been able to do that I think that God has, has orchestrated in this church was the ability for people to come together and agree upon the basic tenets of the faith. Um, the, there's a lot of things that I think the devil has done to try and cause division within God's people, depending upon their specific uh, distinctives and where they, where they come out of. Um, I, I'm a, a bit of an eclectic mixed bag of, of uh, people that I like to read. Uh, I grew up with Billy Graham. Uh, I like John Piper and John MacArthur. Uh, I enjoy C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer, and uh, my background is, is kind of that way. What I firmly believe is that in our church family, uh, we want to be sure that we understand the basics of our faith, uh, and then within the particular nuances that there might be room for us not to fall on our sword over specific issues. Certainly there are some things that we believe and we hold to be dear and true in our faith. And so today we're going to start a series called Foundations, and we are going to go through this spring looking at some very specific issues uh, dealing with our church. And I, as I said, I grew up uh, on military posts all my life. So I was in the Protestant services. You either had the Protestant service or the Baptist service. And, uh, and then I went to a Baptist church for many years and then went to just a basic Bible church uh, all of my, from my junior year in high school uh, on up. And that shapes and influences the guy that's standing in front of you today. Uh, the pastors that taught me then uh, still echo in my brain as I come forward and uh, share God's word with you. So, and the reason, that, you know, I think that we need to be sure of what we're doing is because as we, as we look at things, we're reasoning people. Uh, human beings are different than the animal kingdom. Uh, the animals live by instinct alone. Uh, we live by, both by reasoning and by instinct um, and we are able to ask ourselves questions, which I think all of us do. We say to ourselves, why am I here? Uh, where am I going? Is there life after death? Is there a higher being to whom I report to or not? Uh, we ask ourselves those questions, with, and the answers that we tell ourselves are the things that affect the way that we then live every day of our lives. Sometimes those answers are brought to us by default. We, we just become passive and we resign ourselves to saying, I don't know. And there's a lot of people out there that you might talk to today about uh, faith and, and about God, and they just simply say, I don't, I don't know. And yet, even in saying, I don't know, we make a decision about 
how we're going to journey forward others of us because again we are reasoning people we probe deeper we ask harder questions and then we come to some kind of resolve on which we're going to stake our lives Uh, out of that stake we put down a future and we decide things based upon if we have an end picture down here at the end of our lives of what we think is going to happen and where we think we're going to go then the things that we're going to do from this point forward even if it's just today that we think about it are guided by how we see the end of our journey how we see what's going to happen and uh, those decisions then those faith decisions uh, are the most important decisions that we're going to make for a lot of people out there that are atheistic and simply say there is no god they are not particularly structured by anything at the end of their lives because they just believe that is it that's the end we go to the ground life is over there's nothing there for the rest of those who make a faith decision and believe that there is heaven or hell there's some force of some some source of afterlife that we're going to be engaged in we then ask ourselves questions and make decisions based upon what we believe about that we go there in our minds and we say well i either i don't i want to end up this way or i i don't want to end up that way and if i do that well then what changes do i need to make in my life today that affect the outcome of my journey how do i want to finish my life am i living my life the way uh, that i want to to see myself come to a particular end am i confident of where i'm going what's going to happen in my life that's the sacred ground that i want to to talk about today Uh, talking about the some of you long-term crossroaders have heard some of this before and it's important that we repeat it and remind ourselves of all of it when we look at the world's major religions we find some commonality in all of them and how they operate and what they base some kind of reward on and then we have christianity uh, the questions that we ask ourselves you know is how how good do i have to be uh, and this is a constant discussion that i have with people that used to come into my office and talk about their futures how good do i have to be to merit getting into heaven how good do i have to be to get there and then is there another way besides being good enough we all kind of focus on those things but here's what the the world's religions say i'm just going to go through modern judaism uh, islam hinduism buddhism mormonism and then christianity and i just want to focus on those very quickly and talk about them for a moment modern judaism says that uh, anyone jew or not may gain heaven through their commitment to one god and to moral living judaism believes in an afterlife but it does not stress preparing man for it if it's a religion of good moral ethics as you believe in one god it's different than ancient judaism we've we've talked about ancient judaism through our studies of the old testament says you you probably can't be enough and there's a whole system of sacrifice that had to be in place so that you practice in order to atone for your sins in the hopes that you would be able to to enter into heaven but they also knew they were never going to be good enough modern judaism believes you can be good enough in islam islam says that man can enter heaven by good works as it's declared in the quran um they say that hell is for those who oppose allah the true god and his prophet muhammad hinduism says that man earns heaven through devotion meditation good works and self-control and if he fails to succeed in that he can try again in a reincarnated form 
I'm not going to make jokes this morning, but I have a lot on that particular issue. <laughs> Buddhism, Buddhism says that man gains heaven by self-effort only in following Buddha's eightfold path to enlightenment. That eightfold path includes a right viewpoint, a right aspiration, a right speech, a right behavior, a right occupation, a right effort, a right mindfulness, and a right meditation. And it makes me tired because I don't know that I'm ever going to get any of that right, but yes, that's what they're working for all the time in their life. If you get that right, you can, you can blossom, and eventually, if, you've, if, you, if you're good enough, you enter into nirvana. And by entering into this nirvana, this heaven, you can stop the endless life and death cycle of reincarnation. Mormonism believes that all men will spend eternity on some level of a multi-storied heaven, that there is no hell. The level you achieve in Mormonism is determined by the scope of each man's good works. So all of the world's religions, when you, when you look at the major religions of the world, they all hope for reward based on those good works, those two words in every one of them. You can write good works under Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism and Mormonism, modern Judaism. In the end, as you take your last breath, as you close your eyes, you have to hope that you've been good enough. You have to pray that you've been good enough. You have to hope that somehow, uh, if you're me, that God grades above the curve. You know, in that way, you get somehow you're gonna you're gonna have done well enough to get to heaven. That's all the world religions except for Christianity. Except for Christianity. Christianity says this, no one can earn heaven by getting better. God loves you today right where you sit just as much as he will ever love you. Do you know that? No matter what you do, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, God's love is not based upon your actions. You can never be good enough. Scripture tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? You can never be good enough. Man obtains heaven only through the help of Jesus Christ, through the help of a Savior. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. That's all that Christianity is. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of rules that you have to live up to and hope that you break that curve. It's an encounter and a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you take Jesus out of Christianity, it collapses. Without Jesus Christ, without the Savior, Christianity collapses. But if you take Buddha out of Buddhism, all the rules and the, and, the, and the means and the ways are still there. They still exist. You don't earn your way in Christianity. It's not, it's not living up in some self-justifying ways to a set of behaviors. That's not what it is. So on, on one hand, your, your idea is that you've got to be good enough. On the other is my, my faith is in the help and the hope of a Savior. Those, that's the primary difference is why we're sitting here this morning. And I can tell you, for anyone that's entered into, this is where I think we really get crazy with and what causes division in churches. It's kind of from this point point. Now, I think all of us, if we're here this morning, we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe we're going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Amen? We believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, took on the form of that infant babe, lived his perfect life, 
went to the cross of Calvary, and as atoning sacrifice on that cross, as the spotless, blameless Lamb of God took on all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day he was resurrected from the dead, ascended to the heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God. Amen? Amen. We all can believe that. So the division that happens, I believe, in God's churches comes after that. And it's, and it's the emphasis that we put on how we're going to live and what we're going to do. I want you to know, I accepted Jesus Christ at the age of 13. And on that day, I firmly believe that I entered into two realities of existence. Two things in my life that forever and permanently changed that affected the way that I'm going to live my life. The first is understanding that Jesus did some things. That Jesus did some things. It's, it's what he did for me. And, and my actions don't affect that. My, my things that I do don't affect that. I don't change the work of Jesus Christ if I ignore him. I don't change the work of Jesus Christ if I choose to live a life as a sinful creature. I don't change the work of Jesus Christ because of the actions of a man. Jesus did these things, and the Bible clearly points them out. That's one of my realities. The other is that Jesus Christ wants to do things in and through me as a Christ follower. That's the second reality, and I want to talk about those two things today. First, what did Jesus do for me? What has Jesus done for you? if you are a Christ follower. Here's the first thing he did, the greatest thing, the thing that gives me the, the greatest relief in my life, I suppose, is that he forgave my sin. Jesus Christ forgave my sin. He didn't have to do it. He had every option in the world to call down all of those angels and to end everything right then, but he went to the cross in obedience to Father, even unto death, so that you and I could be sitting here this morning Here's what we learn about sin. Sin is not excused. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. That's what's going to happen. Guilt is real. You and I, we live in a, we live in a moral universe, and we weren't taught that by evolution. It's in us from our birth. We've talked about this on many occasions. We know that we're not good enough, and sin isn't going to be excused. It's always going to be punished. And I believe we have a sense of that in our hearts. I believe that's what God puts into us, that moral code. It's not just a Jiminy Cricket sitting on our shoulder giving us a conscience. It is understanding that God created us and he put this vacuum in us that will only be filled by him. So if sin must be punished, how does it go unpunished for mankind? Scripture says that Jesus took that for me. He was punished because sin is always punished so that I could go free. He forgave all my sins. Here's what Scripture says in Colossians 2. It says, when you were dead, when you were dead in your transgressions in the uncircumcision of your life, He, that is Jesus, made you alive together with Him. How did He do that? Having forgiven us, not a few, not some, not the ones you did five years ago, not the ones you'll do ten years from now, all of that sin... He forgave us all of our transgressions. Did we deserve that? No. Did he do it? Yes. Has he done it for you and for me? Yes. All of our transgressions. So he forgave me my sins. I, I don't change that. That's what he did. He gave me eternal life, secondly. 
He gave me eternal life. 1 John 5 says it this way, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not. You can't get more black and white than that, folks. This is what the Word of God says. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things, John says, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may that you may know. Not that you'll think, not that you'll guess, not that you'll worry, not that you will suppose, not that you will wonder, but that you will know that you have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you're a believer in Christ Jesus and you're still having doubts about whether or not you're going to heaven, you need to knock that off. You need to stop worrying about that. If you have honestly, truly confessed before God Almighty the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, Scripture says, He who has the Son has life. He did that. He gave that. And again, my decision is only on whether or not I will accept that. I don't change the work of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Scripture tells me that He made me a child of God. John 1.12 Suddenly, I was adopted, I'm told in Scripture. I became a child of the living God. I became a part of a much bigger, broader family than I ever thought that I would be a part of. John 1.12 says, To as many as have received him, that is what I did. That is what I did. It's the biggest faith decision that I, I ever make. To as many as received him, he gave the right to be a child of God to become a child of God. Now, in those things that Jesus has done, here's some facts. Number one, I, I can't fall out of what he's done. If he says by his word that if I believe in him, I am saved, I am saved. If he says he's forgiven me all of my sin, he's forgiven me all of my sin. If he says I've been adopted, then I've been adopted. I cannot fall out of that grace. And that's my opinion. Some will differ. I'm telling you now what the Scripture, I believe, says. You can't go from being forgiven of all your sins to committing a sin where you're now unforgiven. It, it, it makes logical sense. You can't have eternal life and then have it taken away because you didn't earn it to begin with. It's what He did for you. You can't become an unchild of God once you're adopted by God Almighty. I was born unto Colonel James F. Cooper, and I will always be that guy's son. Nothing I can do will change that. And nothing that I can do will change once I am adopted as a child of the living God. Nothing is going to change that. Nothing that I can do will cause that to be changed. It is permanent. It is a forever reality, the work of Jesus Christ. And so the very, the very special thing that we all can hold on to in that is I am secure in Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you how many times over the last 30 years I've had someone that's come in my office and they've been worried to death about whether or not they're living up to what God expects of them, whether or not they're doing well enough, doing right enough, being good enough. And that is nonsense. That is not the reality that God says, I forgave your sins because you believed on my son. I adopted you because you believed. I gave you eternal life because you believed in my son. And you can't change it. You can't follow it. It's a permanent situation. Now, 
Here's where a lot of the issues come, especially with the, in the reformist theology, and people get all excited about the fact that, wait a minute, that just gave, you just gave a license to sin and a license to live a, a, a terrible lifestyle to everyone out there. And I'm telling you right now, that's bull. That's not what I said. That's a theological term. That's not what we're saying at all. And this is where I see that we start splitting the hairs and the church starts getting divided. It's ridiculous. I believe that God is very clear in his word to all of us about how he wants us to live and what he expects for us to do as a response to the blessings that we have received by entering into the relationship with Jesus Christ. What does Jesus want to do in us? Now, this is not an exhaustive list. So if you want to take exception afterwards and say, well, gee whiz, he didn't, he didn't go very far with that. Okay, fine. Just to get out your Bible and start reading it. But I'm going to highlight a couple of things. The first thing that I believe that God wants us to do, and he says it in his word, is to experience an abundant life, to live an abundant life, a better life, a great life. The key word in, in Scripture actually means to enjoy life. How many of us, how many of us are guilty of getting up every morning of our lives now and looking at this sorry, lost, crazy, mixed up, screwed up world out there and getting up and thinking about our own lives and then dragging our way through the day because it is so hard to exist in this. And we're just waiting for Jesus to take us home. I've been blessed beyond belief in my life. I met Robin when she was 18 years old. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to I'm tell you something. I was immediately in love, something like that. We've been married for 45 years. I've got two beautiful daughters. Their families. I've got four wonderful grandchildren. God has blessed my life beyond anything. Robin and I have had so many opportunities to travel this world over and see so many of the great things that God has done. And those are sacred things that live in my mind today. I don't get around as much as I used to. I ain't doing all that traveling now. I just like being able to get up in the morning and get around the house. Amen, amen. <laughs> but he says, I, might, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Are you living an abundant life this morning? Secondly, God has stuff for us to do. This is where, you know, all of us, if we know, listen, if I accept Jesus Christ, it doesn't end there. I've said it all the time. That's the starting blocks of our, of our existence with God. And every, every day is an opportunity to then live, a, a, number one, live a better life, but then to do the things that God says he's, he's gotten for us to do. How many of you could live today with, a, with some kind of a noble cause in your life? Instead of just getting up and, and thinking about the workplace or, or thinking about that day's chores and all that kind of thing. Do you wake up in the morning with a noble cause in your mind? God created us for a noble cause adventure in this life. That we would rise up in the morning and be thinking about what he created us for is different than getting up and just thinking about heading off the job. God, when, we, when God created the earth and he created man, he said, listen, I want you to subdue the earth. How many of you have subdued the earth this morning? How many have got your earth subdued? I believe God placed in the heart of every person an innate desire to conquer this earth, to subdue it, to have this, to have this, you know, I hope there's still some fight in you this morning. Then you haven't given up. 
and that you haven't lost your way. Part of the purpose on this earth that we have is to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Once we have accepted Him as our Savior, you've been designed specifically. We've talked about it many times. Upon that moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit gifted you with very specific gifts that are to be used for the kingdom of God and for His glory. And if you're not doing that, you're not fulfilling the mission that God has created you for. In Ephesians 2.10, and we've, we've, it's one of our favorite, it has been at least since I've been around in this church, one of our favorite passages of Scripture says, For we are His workmanship, those of us who are in Christ, and workmanship there in the Greek word is poema. It literally means you are God's poem. It's been construed over the years to being God's work of art. And finally, most recently in translations, his masterpiece, the best thing that he ever did. And you've been created, actually recreated when you accepted Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do you, re you realize that when you when you when you're getting up this morning that god has a god has something that he wants you to do god has created you and recreated you and gifted you to do something as a part of his kingdom community and, and that is a noble cause that's the cause where if you don't have any other reason to get up in the morning think about the fact that god created you and god wants you to be a part of his great work on this earth that's a reason for getting up in the morning He's already thought up what he wants to do. He, already, he knows what, you, what you're to be doing. He's designed you to do those things. And even Scripture tells us that he will reward you or not at some point in time in eternity for having done them. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to do it. That's the, whole, that's the whole response thing that we have to find out about ourselves in living with life with Christ. Are we going to respond? Are we going to, are we going to live for him? Or are we going to live for ourselves? God desires for us to do these things, but we then have a choice. And then he, he wants us to, uh, to love better. He wants us to love others in a really significant way and think how counterintuitive this is to the culture of the world. I, I just can't, I used to love I dreamed of being a politician way back when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. I would watch Congress and I would watch, especially in the Senate, where they would walk up and say, with great humility and honor, I, you know, I yield the floor to the gentleman from such and such. I, I do, you know, it was all so gracious with such dignity and such honor, and now it's an embarrassment to watch. And our whole world seems to have gone that way. And yet God says, first and foremost, love your wife and your children differently than the world says that you should love them. He says in John 15, 12, in John 15, 12, this is my commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another. And that'd be, that'd be great right there if he stopped right there. He said, this is my commandment. Again, it's imperative language. This is what you are to do. You're to love one another. But then he adds how you love. He says, just as I have loved you. And when you understand that, you understand love in a whole different way. If you're going to love somebody the way that Jesus Christ has loved you, what does that mean? 
Now, again, in this second reality that I'm talking about, remember in the first one, it's all these things that Jesus did, and I don't change that. I don't have the ability to affect that, really. I just accept it. But in these other areas that we're talking about, in this second reality, if you want to talk about it that way, you can improve. You can improve on those things. You can always get some more of the abundant life. You can always work more on the things that God created you to do. You can always love someone better than what you've loved them up to now. And you can fall out of all of that. This is, this is the, the second part of that is that probably the most important thing to hear is that you, you can fall out of this part of your life with Christ. This is the part where you're co cooperating with Jesus Christ in your life and uh, as the living God, you're drawing upon His help to do those things that he's, he's telling you that He wants you to do. But, you know, where do you fall out to? This is, this is easy, and I think it, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna, I might offend some people here now, but that's okay. It's when, you, it's when you look at God and you basically say, I don't want your help anymore. Um... There are times when you just say that and you fall out of that grace that Christ has provided for you and, and you start living the way that Frank Sinatra sang about. And this, I, so if you're a Sinatra fan, I, he, what does he say in his song? He did it my way. I took the blows, actually. I took the blows and I did it my way. There's Christ, so those, here it is. There's Christ's way and there's my way. There's Christ's way. And you can go through those two worlds several times a day, amen? It's a constant process. So don't, you know, don't sit out there and think, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling miserable with what he's saying. No, 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 no. It is a moment-by-moment -moment existence and decision process with Jesus Christ. We have to decide, and, and, and the devil has become a master and always has been a master at, at telling us all the different ways that we should go, that we could go, that would be more fun, more enjoyable, the world's way. And we have a decision of what we're going to do that I believe is just as enjoyable to follow God's will in your life and to experience His blessings every day. We're going to go through those, those two realities, but the more that we stay inside of this circle of God's love, if you want to put it that way, the more we work in that noble cause that He's, he's given us in following after Him on this earth, the more we do good works that are motivated by the Spirit of God, not by man and his thinking, the more we love the people around us. It's a natural outcome of that. And it's, and it's dynamic, this, this reality. It, it changes all the time. I live in those realities every day, counting on the faith that I have in Jesus Christ, asking God for His direction and His, His, uh, His way in my life most of the time. But I'm just as human as the rest of you. And there's times where I, I look at something and, and totally react out of my humanness. And, um, and I don't wake up that day thinking, hey, I'm going to live my life in a, in a way that I believe is going to be pleasing to God and have that interaction with Him. And, uh, but there's eventually going to come through all, all these decisions all of my life. I don't know how many years I have. I've already had more than I thought I would have. So here we are. <laughs> and so walking along through my life, you know, I'm still, I'm still one day one day, I'm gonna, uh, this line is going to be out here. One day, that, that line is going to come that we all label on our little piece of paper called death. It is, it is certainly a reality uh, that is going to happen. So 
those, those two realities, what Jesus has done and what he wants to do me, lead to, lead to two more maybe. The first is because of what he has done for me in forgiving my sins and making me a child of God and promising me eternal life, that the work of Christ, the work of Christ guarantees his followers heaven. Paul in Philippians 3 said, for our citizenship, once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, our citizenship is in heaven. It's in heaven. For the Christian, heaven is home. This, this motel earth is a temporary visitation for us. We are all here temporarily our, in these dwellings that will fail on us and one day give out unless we hear the trumpet call of God sound and we go home before that. For our citizenship is in heaven for which we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble estate. Ooh, I cannot wait for that day. No more pain, no more snap, crackle, and pop in the morning, no more suffering, all of that stuff, right? He says we're going to be transformed. And that is, that is a guaranteed reality for those who believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that will hold. Not because of how I live, not because of what I do, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. But then beyond that, if we think about it, getting to heaven, most of us have this thought, well, okay, heaven is it. Heaven's the end game. But you know there's a lot more in Scripture about heaven that says we either earn on, in this life that we're living, we either earn or forfeit even rewards when we get to heaven. One of the, one of the best sermons I ever heard on that was Pastor Bob Ingram. He spoke here one day about the crowns of, 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 that are talked about in Scripture for those that, that get uh, their lives with Christ and they, and they go there and they live, how I interact with Jesus Christ and all those hard decisions that I've made about my family, my purpose, my gifts, my design, my, my ultimate outcome, my good works, all that stuff. It's going to matter when i get to heaven it either earns me or forfeit me some of those crowns that he talks about then in, in, in corinthians paul wrote it and it's a little bit of a lengthy passage but bear with me he says according to the grace of god which was given to me as a wise master builder i laid a foundation now he's talking about how jesus came he preached paul came preached to them the gospel of jesus christ and now he says somebody else is built let each man be careful let each man, woman, be careful how he builds his life. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid in Jesus Christ. In other words, nobody has a guarantee of attorney except in the foundation of Jesus Christ. So if you laid your foundation on anything else, if you put all that stock in your car, your home, your job, your, your plaques on the wall and all that kind of thing, it says that that's not going to last. If you've laid that foundation, it's not going to happen. He says that, that, that is, if, you've, if you've done it with gold and silver and precious stones and wood and hay and straw, each man's work will become evident for the day of meeting God in eternity. is going to show that because it will be revealed with fire, Scripture says. Purifying fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And if any man's work that he has built upon remains, he will receive a reward or rewards if not it's burnt up and he will suffer loss so you know we say a lot of times that there's no pain in eternity i don't know I, if i'm standing before god and all the stuff that i did that was motivated by myself that i thought was really really great and he's throwing over in the burn pile i might feel a little pain about that but he says he himself will still be saved the scripture says right there everything else in life but he would still be babe because that's based upon jesus christ not upon man so that if i'm secure in christ every day because of what he's done what we all would agree on i hope is that i'm responsible to christ every day for what he's done 
I'm secure in him, but I'm responsible to him every day how i'm living now i hope and pray that when i get there you know i think all of us we sing it we read about it we we talk about other people in this way that which we we hope and pray that when we get there the 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 lord will say well done well done good and faithful servant but he's going to say that based upon or not on how we choose to live our life so in everything that we say i'm you know i'm huge on this first reality of what he's done and I encourage and want to talk with anybody who is, who is who's just curious about that decision and entering in that relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm trying to lay it out there for you today because I'm, I'm so passionate about what God has done for me. But equally, equally in our lives, we have to be passionate about being responsible to Christ and living our lives that way so that when we get to heaven, we do hear those words. But what will you decide? In all of this, we get down to where the rubber meets the road in, in, in all of that i said start it off faith decisions are the most important decisions that you're ever going to make and that includes not only will you trust in jesus christ and his help as a savior for your eternity but then how will you live i believe it's the most important decision that we ever make in our lives how we see the end is going to impact everything that we do on our day-to-day journey it shapes and should shape the whole course and direction of our lives so this morning as we begin looking at foundations this is the first this is the most crucial this is the most important what you decide first and foremost about jesus christ about christianity about almighty god and what he's done is going to determine for you every step of the journey from here on out so what are you going to do this morning i'm going to say a closing prayer here the band's going to come up the praise team's going to come up and we'll hear a closing song um as always i'm going to be down front if anybody would like to come and talk about that but you know it's an intellectual decision it's a thinking decision it's all about heart And I made, as a 13-year-old, I ran down that aisle, overcome with emotion because the preacher was telling me what what Christ had done for me and saving me from going to hell. I was pretty passionate about that. But over the years, I've come to appreciate so much more what God did for me when he sent his son. And I'd love to talk with anybody about that. Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the privilege we have of gathering here as your people. Lord, we pray this morning, I specifically pray for anyone who might be here this morning, Lord, that would just have heard words today from you. Uh, We'd love to talk with anyone about that decision, Lord. And for all of us who I know there are many in the room that at one point in time in their lives entered into that relationship, at one point in time made a decision uh, to follow you, uh, to accept that grace gift, to be walking with the knowledge that you died for them on that cross and that it's through your work alone that we have the right to enter into heaven lord i I just pray that we would all consider today and every day how then shall we live how then shall we live lord and my prayer is that we'll live a life that's glorifying and edifying to you and brings honor and glory and praise to the name of jesus christ and god the father almighty for it is in jesus name that we pray amen